This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Jeremy Wolf. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Good Neighbor Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy Wolf, and today I am joined by Dr. Amanda Nanasi. Dr. Nanasi is with the Eye Center and Florida Institute of Sports Vision. I actually had her colleague, uh, Bob Davis, on the other day, and I always ask all my guests if they have anybody that, that they'd like to nominate to come on the show. And he mentioned that Dr. Nanasi does some interesting things with sports vision. Um, she actually specializes in performance vision enhancement and vision rehabilitation after concussions, uh, which has led her to do uh, work with the Inter-Miami soccer team, um, the Miami Heat, the Miami Dolphins, as well as many other athletes. So I thought she would make for an interesting guest. So here we have Dr. Amanda Nanasi. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. I am always excited to spread the word about how we can help athletes, uh, not only on a professional level, but also in our community. Yeah, no, happy to have you. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. So let's get into this. Talk a little bit about your role at the Eye Center uh, and your journey and how you ended up there. And then we'll go from there. Well, I have been here for 13 years now, and it's it's cool looking back. I met the doctors at the Eye Center when I was a student in optometry school because I was doing research with the baseball team to see if I can improve their on-base average by doing vision training. So I knew that they had been working with the Dolphins for years at that point. So I asked them to go to lunch with me, and I picked their brain and learned from them, borrowed some equipment. And then fast forward about a year and a half later when I was getting ready to graduate and move to Orlando, where I thought I was going to be working with the doc that sees the Orlando magic, they asked me to come and join their team. So the rest is history. We started just seeing the Miami Dolphins at our practice. And now, like you said, we see not only several different pro teams, but also a number of NCAA teams, Division One, Two, II, and Three, several high schools, and all of the other wonderful weekend warriors and kids that we see on a day-to-day basis here. Now, have you always had a fascination with the human eye going back to when you were young or when did that spark for you? Talk a little bit about the journey that led you to become an optometrist. You know, I it's interesting because I always knew I wanted to be a doctor of some sorts. I knew I wanted to help people. I had a, a little brother that passed away from a brain tumor when I was young and I told my mom, you know, I didn't understand why, you know, they couldn't make him better. And I wanted to be a doctor to fix kids like him one day. And as I got older, I knew that I, I didn't want to do oncology. I would just take, I I would take that home with me every night. It would be too draining, but he did after one of his procedures develop strabismus, which is an eye turn where one of his eyes turned inward. And that's something that as an optometrist, we can specialize in vision therapy in order to help correct the visual system, the, the function of it, where the eyes will aim in the right direction and work together as a team. And it, it long story short, 
the same type of therapy that you can do for a kid that has an eye turn, you can see an athlete that already has excellent vision and enhance it and make it even better, not just by training the visual system alone, but the cognitive component of vision that then drives the motor response. So we work on things like anticipatory timing skills and eye-hand coordination and go-no-go type of skills. And I might have a, a pro wide receiver in my chair one minute and then walk into the room with a six-year-old kid that's having a hard time reading. And it's it's just such a rewarding job to have. And I'm, I'm lucky to be able to do it. Was the specialization in the study of concussions, was that a result of dealing with these professional teams? Or is that something that you were interested in prior to that? You know, I, I always say things happen for a reason. And I always kind of laugh when I say I was lucky enough to have my own concussion back in 2018. Uh, you know, concussion was something that we didn't see as frequently until it started getting a little bit more mainstream media attention, right, from all the the really the the chronic traumatic encephalopathy that was hitting the news with all these football players and CTE, and was, right? Yeah, exactly. And the sports world said, well, maybe if these injuries happen, we need to do more about it. But the role of vision with concussions was still not very well known. It was obvious that at least 80% of patients that have a concussion will have some sort of a visual problem that manifests afterwards, whether if it's double vision or light sensitivity or blurry vision. So as the years went on, um, I started seeing a few more concussion patients here and there. But when I had my own concussion and I realized that it wasn't even from something, it wasn't a cool injury, by the way. It wasn't a sports-related injury. It was just a car accident, not even a horrible car accident. But I walked out of the concussion having all of the, the hallmark issues that you can have with vision. I couldn't focus up close. I felt um, really nauseous when I was in the car all things that if I wasn't an eye care provider, I would not realize. I don't think that, you know, I, I needed to go to an eye doctor. You know what I mean? It's the things that we take for granted that that our patients don't know. So at that point, I kind of changed my focus and said, I want to get out in the community. I want to partner with as many, you know, other doctors, uh, PTs, OTs, neuropsychologists, the different orthopedic medical providers that oversee the different teams and say, hey, did you know that when your student athlete has a concussion and they say that they can't focus in school for more than 15 minutes because they have a headache, I might be able to fix that with glasses. And uh, I, I think that that was really where I was supposed to be. You know, working on performance with athletes is obviously really exciting and, you know, going and working with the teams one-on-one. -on -one. But when you have a kid that's at risk of losing their scholarship or failing all their classes because they can't function in class, and I can fix that fairly quickly sometimes, it is just, it's a game changer for me in the practice, but I want more people to know about it, which is why I'm so happy to have the opportunity to talk to you today. Yeah, definitely. So I'm, I'm a little, I'm more interested, I'm interested in this, this whole topic of concussions and how it relates to vision. So when somebody suffers, I guess, an, an injury that leads to a concussion, yeah. when, when do you get involved with that? Because that's, that's something that is initially diagnosed by, I guess, a primary care physician type doctor. Are they then taking at that point? Are they then having the athlete 
go and see you to get evaluated? How does that tie into everything? It depends on where they end up, right? So we are definitely at an advantage where we live because Broward County, Miami-Dade, everything north of us, West Palm, we're surrounded by great facilities that are really well-educated in general about this. So I saw a kid yesterday that ended up in the Joe DiMaggio ER and was then referred to their concussion clinic. And usually if, if a patient is not getting better within a certain amount of time and they think that visual symptoms might be dragging everything back and holding back that recovery, that's when they refer to me. Um, sometimes they might end up at Holy Cross's concussion clinic, or they might even end up at their pediatrician where the pediatricians in the area are so much better educated now because there's more information and more research coming out saying you need to get these kids' eyes checked. If they're in a concussion clinic, they'll usually see me one to two weeks after the injury. If they are at a pediatrician's office, uh, if they're in their regular PCP's office and they end up not going to a concussion clinic, it might take a little bit longer for them to get to me just because it's still not exactly a part of everyone's normal protocol. Vestibular referrals happen very readily. If someone says that they feel like they're off balance or they're bumping into things, a lot of times uh, our docs will think to send a vestibular therapy because they say, well, there's a balance issue. So let's send them to, to that department essentially. But the thing about the visual system is it kind of masquerades as a vestibular system sometimes because it interplays so much with our other systems. And I, I think I have a really good example that even though your listeners can't see what we're talking about, I think that they can picture it. Have you ever been, Jeremy, in like one of those, uh, like a usually they're at amusement parks or maybe even a, a fair type situation where it's a stationary walkway, but they simulate motion around you. Like usually by like, it's like a tunnel that you walk through and they make it look like the tunnel is spinning. Yep. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sure. So it's a stationary walkway, but when you walk down it, everybody ends up like stumbling and holding onto the handrails, walking like they're drunk. But if you were to walk in the middle of that stationary walkway and close your eyes, your proprioceptive system, your feet are telling you you're not moving. And your balance system that, that comes from your inner ear is telling you you're not moving. And even if you were to kind of like put your hands up like blinders and look down the tunnel and see, well, at the end of the tunnel, nothing's moving. But as soon as you uncover your eyes and you get all of those different signals that are coming from around you, your brain, that's the most important signal that overrides everything. And it tells you You're moving. that the tunnel's moving. So I think it's a great example just to show how the visual system can be so impactful. And yeah. again, if, if I can just make that system work a little bit better, take some of the strain off the brain, essentially, they can get better overall faster. I got another example for you. I, I don't think it's dissimilar to what you just talked about. How about when you're in the runway, you're in a plane and you're on the runway mm -hmm. and there's another, you're not paying attention, then another plane is moving next to you, but it feels like you're actually moving depending on the yeah. perspective that you're looking at. It's the same type of thing, right? It is. It's the same type of thing. And it's a great point that you bring up because so many people just think of vision as 2020. And I hear it all the time. Oh, I thought my kid was fine because we went to the pediatrician and they read the chart and they read 2020. But besides just being able to see static 
letters on a chart from 20 feet away, you have to be able to take in all that peripheral information around you. You have to understand where you are in space related to those other things. You should be able to walk upstairs without looking at your feet because you have a good idea of where you are. When you read something, your eyes aren't just staying together to make it clear, but they're coordinating together together to make it one picture. And you're processing all that visual information as you're going. And sometimes if if our brain is just not doing a good job of making these things happen automatically, it just doesn't work together. You know, a, a kid might read a passage, they might read a line and and get through it, but then at the end say, what did I just read? And their comprehension is horrible because if your brain is working so hard on keeping your eyes aligned and pointed in the right direction, you're not processing what you read. You're just working on that task of keeping your eyes together. So, you know, it's, it's hard because you don't want to, as a busy mom myself, you don't want to drag your kid around to a bunch of unnecessary doctor's appointments, but I can't stress the importance enough of having a comprehensive eye exam and understanding the difference between reading a chart in a pediatrician's office or even doing the school screenings that they do usually at third grade. There are a lot of things that could be left. And if, if you have any questions about whether or not your kid is performing to the level that you wish that they could, or you think that they could, a lot of times there's something going on with the eyes that we can help with. Yeah, definitely important to get routine checkups. Cause I know there's a lot of kids out there that don't get routine checkups and mm-hmm. they, they're struggling in school and a lot of it is because they just can't see clearly and they're straining all day. Exactly. Yeah. So you, you mentioned uh, you have, you have children talk a little bit about what you like to do for fun when you're not working, maybe a little bit about your family. I have a 10 year old girl and an eight year old boy, and we are very active in all their activities. Uh, and again, in Pembroke Pine, there's some Pembroke Pines. There are so many great things to be a part of here. My daughter is, uh, it sounds crazy saying it, but an elite junior golfer. You know, we travel around uh, the state, the country, and she's even been invited to Ireland. You know, we, she played in the, the really? junior golf U.S. Kids Irish Open this past summer. Uh, as well as being involved with Inside Out Theater and School of Rock in Cooper City, both the kids go to. My son plays, uh, my daughter plays drums, my daughter plays guitar and plays baseball at West Pines and Boy Scouts. And we are literally running nonstop to take advantage of all the different activities they can do here. I just had the School of Rock on the podcast last week really? or the week before. Yeah, I had Bernie, you know, Bernie Pell's Major. Pell's major. I one, don't. Of the, one of the owners, they own, I think, four of them in West Bre- and They have the, the one in Davie. Um, they have one in Fort Lauderdale and they have one up north. I think they have four franchises. So I had him on and we were talking a lot about that. I'm, I'm actually big into music myself. I played the guitar for, God, most, most of my adult life. And so that's interesting. Your daughter, she actively goes there uh, still. Yeah, both. To- they both do. And uh, Deja is the one that I know is being in charge of ours because I think ours is it's in Cooper City, but I think that they're they're the Davy location. I, I, met, but it, I, I met Deja. Did you? 
Yeah. Oh, she's amazing. And it is such a fun program. And my daughter took piano lessons when she was younger and it was, you know, you show up and you read from the book and you learn this like weird classical little piece here and there. But I to, to have the first thing that my son learned on the guitar be an ACDC song. You know, it makes them excited and they go twice a week. They do one uh, lesson and then the second day is like their jam session with their band and they're working towards doing their performance in December. And there are a couple songs that they're both going to be on together and we go and we scream and my son throws out guitar picks with his face on them and (laughs) they have a great time and they're doing really, really well. Yeah, it's awesome. I actually was speaking to another father. I was at my son. My kids are 11 and 9. I was at my son's friend's birthday party. And the father was actually participating in, or he had participated in the School of Rock programs. And he was explaining how they actually go out and they play gigs. They go out to bars and they play. I thought that was pretty cool because I've been playing for a long time now. And I just play it to myself. I don't really go out and perform anywhere. That piqued an interest for me and made me think maybe I need to do that because getting out there and performing. They have an adult class. Yeah. Jeremy, you should. You could totally do the adult group. It's one of those things that I I want to really bad because I, I, I play the bass a little bit. I can't even really say I like play the bass, but, but I, I do play the bass and uh, my, my husband also plays like we can have a full on family band happen, but I think the adult performance group sounds like a lot of fun. If I could find time to do that one day. I've actually encountered through doing the podcast and kind of being involved with the community, probably, eight or nine different people that play either the drums. I interviewed an, an insurance agent in Pembroke Pines, uh, Rick Rolfs, uh-huh. from Rolfs Insurance. And he said he's an avid drummer. My daughter's teacher at Pioneer Middle School. I spoke with him. He is a musician and a stand-up comedian when he's not teaching. And um, he was talking about, we were talking about jamming and School of Rock. He's like, oh, if you ever, if you ever need anybody to come play, let's get together. So right. yeah. the Good Neighbor Jam Band. Let's Gotta, do it build a little, a little coalition. So before we wrap up here, why don't you share the one thing that you'd like to leave our listeners with that you'd like them to know about your business? I would like them to know that we are here in the community as, as a resource that not only sees all of these professional and collegiate athletes, but the same care that we give that same high level care that we would give any of those athletes We're here to give your student athletes and your kids and not even just athletes, but all the kids out there. We have just such an amazing team here where a lot of times the kids will come in for their first eye exam and they'll be very nervous and apprehensive. And by the time they leave, we're laughing. You know, sometimes I earn stickers from them and they earn stickers. We have a really good time. And vision is just such an important piece of the puzzle for these kids. And if you haven't had a comprehensive eye exam, that's probably my take home message. Make sure that they get an exam. And a lot of times people have the kids on their medical plan and they have vision plan insurance for anyone under 18 that sometimes it's even included in their plan and they don't know it. So if you don't think you have it, check. We'd love to see you. Even if we're not in network, we're happy to see you. Very cool. There was actually one other thing I wanted to touch upon that almost entirely escaped my attention. When we first spoke, you had mentioned that you were working with, and forgive me if I'm not recalling it correctly, you were working with 
an eye care manufacturing, some kind of manufacturing company that led you to an interesting connection with uh, the gentleman from Shark Tank, Robert, um, what's it? Hershevik, yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the work that you did with that company that led you to connect with Robert? Oh, so I'm on faculty for Alcon, which Alcon. is a contact lens manufacturer that uh, does a, a bunch of different contact lenses, a lot of them being ones that we use for high performance. They're daily disposable, really breathable lenses, multifocal lenses, and they needed one of their docs to be in several different webinars and some in-person uh, different things that they put together with Robert. And uh, I was lucky enough to get tagged for that. He's a great guy. He's a smart businessman. And he has a really cool patient story that he shares. Uh, and it's all about patient communication and things that we're not asking that we don't know if we don't ask. He wore contact lenses on a regular daily basis. And around four o'clock every day, he would take his contact lenses out because they were uncomfortable and then put a new pair of contact lenses in. And that was his norm. He thought that that was totally normal to need to do that and come to find out he was putting these new lenses that actually lasted all day. And that's kind of how that partnership started. It's all about how we need to do a better job of making sure that we're not only meeting the needs of our patients, but exceeding them because they don't know what's available if we're not talking about it. So that's one of the things that we do at our practice really well is ask patients how they use their vision on a day-to-day -day basis. And are there ways that I can improve your day-to-day, -day, whether it be through visual clarity or enhanced comfort. And that's what I talked about with him. Very cool. Dr. Nanasi, you have a wonderful personality. You're clearly passionate about what you do. Thank you for all the great work you do in our community and beyond. So happy to have met you. So thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. And obviously, if you have any other questions or need anything or any of the listeners need anything, check out floridasportsvision.com or icenter.com. And we would love to be a part of your journey. Yeah, we'll, of course, link in the description below to all of your con contact information. Until next time, everyone have a wonderful day and take care. Thanks for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast, Cooper City. To nominate your favorite local business to be featured on the show, go to GNPCooperCity.com. That's GNPCooperCity.com or call 954-231-3170.